Brothers and sisters, welcome to the Christian Fishers of Men podcast. I am your host, Alan, and we are on episode 42. I uh, usually have been trying to release stuff on Sunday. Um, had kind of a crazy weekend, got a lot of stuff going on, actually had a uh, death in my wife's family, so we're, we're kind of kind of trying to take care of everything that we need to. I got uh, kids in wrestling, got a lot of stuff going on, so I kind of had to take a step back. Had a little bit of sickness over the weekend, but um, everything going okay, getting stuff done, getting stuff taken care of, just, just getting some stuff out a little bit late. So forgive me for that, but I wanted to take some time. I wanted to take some time out. And I wanted to... I wanted to do a special one today. I wanted to do a special one today. This is one that I think um, I think we all need to hear, and I think we all need to really think about the sides that we're choosing, and to think about what we're teaching our children, to think about where we want to be on this issue. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read to you a talk that was given in um, General Conference in 1961. So this would have been the uh, October uh, 1961 General Conference. This talk would have been on the second day. They did things a little bit differently back then, so... This would have been Saturday, September 30th, 1961. This talk is one that I have never come across before. Um, It is one that could have been given today. Very, very strong, very strong message. Um, Ezra Taft Benson did not mince words. And he spells some doctrine out for us from the Book of Mormon. He he does a great job at making it clear where the church's position is on some things. And and where we should where our position should be, where we should fall on some things as well. This uh somehow has gone I don't even know how to word it, but it hasn't. It 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 didn't have the effect that I would think that it would have on on the saints, and perhaps it did on that generation. Perhaps it just wasn't taught to the next generation. I don't know. Um, but it troubles me. I I I read this and it and it has uh, troubled me. It's it's one of those things that is very difficult to wrestle with. I've been wrestling with this and I don't know I just don't know how to best proceed but I think that for for me and for what I feel my responsibility is I'm going to give a voice uh to Elder Ezra Taft Benson, President Ezra Taft Benson. I'm going to give him a voice here. And I'm going to be his voice, and I'm going to deliver his message again 
uh, to the saints who listen to this podcast, who happen to find worth um, in in things like this, in the doctrine of Christ, and I'm I'm going to go ahead and give his give his words a voice again, though he has passed, and I hope that they carry some weight. I hope that they that the Spirit is able to work on you and and that regardless of where you are in the world, that you'll hear these words and that they will find a place in your heart, brothers and sisters. This is dealing with some things that cross over into... They, 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 they don't stay in the warm and fuzzy area of the gospel. They cross over into the, the warning portion of the gospel. The, uh, the, the part where we start to hear some spiritual alarm bells, the part where we have to make some important choices that have an impact on not only the rest of mortality, but on the rest of, of eternity as well. I'm going to go ahead and start reading here. Um, you will quickly find you'll quickly find out about what he is talking about. This is a long slog. This is a, a long talk. Um, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. I really was. I, I, it did not feel long to me, but I, I recognize that this is going to be a long one. So stick with me here. Pay attention to the words. And uh, pay attention to what he's telling you. He will be very plain. He'll be very plain in what he's telling you here about the future of America, about the uh, the dire situation that we find ourselves in, the awful situation that we find ourselves in, I, sh- I should say, and what we need to do uh, to combat it, basically. So, here we go. My brethren and sisters and friends, In keeping with the spirit of the keynote address of our beloved President, I desire, if the Lord will bless me, to speak to you about the American heritage of freedom, a plan of God. I direct my my remarks particularly to the men of America, and more especially to those in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who hold the Holy Priesthood of God. Every member of the priesthood should understand the divine plan designed by the Lord, to raise up the first free people in modern times. Here is how Scripture says it was achieved. First, prophecy is abundant that God deliberately kept the American continent hidden until after the Holy Roman Empire had been broken up and the various nations had established themselves as independent kingdoms. Keeping America hidden until this time was no accident. Second, At the proper time, God inspired Columbus to overcome almost insurmountable odds to discover America and bring this rich new land to the attention of the Gentiles in Europe. Third, God revealed to his ancient American prophets that shortly after the discovery of America, there would be peoples in Europe who would desire to escape the persecution and tyranny of the Old World and flee to America. Fourth, God told his prophets that the kingdoms in Europe would try to exercise dominion over the people who had fled to America. 
but that in the wars for independence, the American settlers would win. This is a remarkable prophecy that in 2000, that in 2,300 years before the Revolutionary War was fought, God, through his prophets, predicted who would win it. Fifth, the prophets were told that in the latter days, when the Gentiles came to America, they would establish it as a land of liberty, on which there would be no kings. The Lord declared that he would protect the land, and, and whosoever would try to establish kings, either from within or without, would perish. Sixth, having declared America to be a land of liberty, God undertook to raise up a band of inspired and intelligent leaders who could write a constitution of liberty and establish the first free people in modern times. The hand of God in this undertaking is clearly indicated by the Lord himself in a revelation to the prophet Joseph Smith in these words, I establish the constitution of this land by the hands of wise men whom I have raised up unto this very purpose. DNC 10180. Seventh, God declared that the United States Constitution was divinely inspired for the specific purpose of eliminating bondage and the violation of the rights and protection which belongs to all flesh. Eighth, God placed a mandate upon those people to befriend and defend the constitutional laws of the land and see that the rights and privileges of all mankind are protected. He verified the declaration of the Founding Fathers that God created all men free. He also warned against those who would enact laws encroaching upon the sacred rights and privileges of free men. He urged the election of honest and wise leaders and said that evil men and laws were of Satan. Ninth, God predicted through his prophets that this great Gentile nation, raised up on the American continent in the last days, would become the richest and most powerful nation on the face of the earth, even above all other nations. Tenth, concerning the United States, the Lord revealed to His prophets that its greatest threat would be a vast worldwide secret combination, which would not only threaten the United States, but also seek to overthrow, and this is in quotes, to overthrow the freedom of all lands, nations, and countries. Eleventh, in connection with attack on the United States, the Lord told the prophet Joseph Smith there would be an attempt to overthrow the country by destroying the Constitution. Joseph Smith predicted that the time would come when the Constitution would hang, as it were, by a thread. And at that time, this people will step forth and save it from the threatened destruction. It is my conviction that the elders of Israel, widely spread over the nation, will at that crucial time successfully rally the righteous of our country and provide the necessary balance of strength to save the institutions of constitutional government. Twelfth. The Lord revealed to the prophet Nephi that he established the Gentiles on this land to be a free people forever, that if they were a righteous nation and overcame the wickedness and secret abominations which would arise in their midst, they would inherit the land forever. Thirteenth, but on the other hand, if the Gentiles of this land would reject the word of God and conspire to overthrow liberty and the Constitution,
then their doom is fixed, and they shall be cut off from among my people who are of the covenant. Fourteenth, the great destruction force, which has to be turned loose on the earth, and which the prophets for centuries have been calling the abomination of desolation, is vividly described by those who saw it in vision. Ours is the first generation to realize how literally these prophecies can be fulfilled now that God, through science, has unlocked the secret to thermonuclear reaction. In the light of these prophecies, there should be no doubt in the mind of any priesthood holder that the human family is headed for trouble. There are rugged days ahead. It is time for every man who wishes to do his duty to get himself prepared physically, spiritually, and psychologically for the task which may come at any time as suddenly as a whirlwind. Where do we stand today? All over the world, the light of freedom is being diminished. Across the whole continents of the earth, freedom is being totally obliterated. Never in recorded history has any movement spread its power so far and so fast as has socialistic communism in the last three decades. I'm going to pause here, brothers and sisters. Forgive me. This was in 1961. Let that sink in. This could have been given today. I'm sorry to pause here, but just just let that sink in. This could have this talk could have been given today. Look at how uh, look, this is going to become really clear as we read this. But just look at how far the talons have sunk into us as a world population, let alone America. Just incredible. Just incredible. The facts, uh, continue on, the facts are not pleasant to review. Communist leaders are jubilant with their success. They are driving freedom back on almost every front. It is time, therefore, that every American, and especially every member of the priesthood, become informed about the aims, tactics, and schemes of socialistic communism. This becomes particularly important when it is realized that communism is turning out to be the earthly image of the plan which Satan presented in the pre-existence. The whole program of socialistic communism is essentially a war against God and the plan of salvation, the very plan which we fought to uphold during the war in heaven. Up to now, some members of the church have stood aloof, feeling that the fight against socialistic communism is controversial and unrelated to the mission of the church or the work of the Lord. But the president of the church, in our day, has made it clear that the fight against atheistic communism is a major challenge to the church and every member in it. During the General Conference of the Church in October 1959, President David O. McKay, in discussing the threat of communism, referred to W. Cleon Skousen's book, The Naked Communist, and said, I admonish everybody to read that excellent book. He then quoted the following from the flyleaf, The conflict between communism and freedom is the problem of our time. It overshadows all other problems. The fight against godless communism 
is a very real part of every man's duty who holds the priesthood. It is the fight against slavery, immorality, atheism, terrorism, cruelty, barbarism, deceit, and the destruction of human life through a kind of tyranny unsurpassed by anything in human history. Here is a struggle against the evil, satanical priestcraft of Lucifer. Truly, it can be called a continuation of the war in heaven. In the war in heaven, the devil advocated absolute, eternal security at the sacrifice of our freedom. I'm going to pause right there, brothers and sisters. I hadn't paused, or I hadn't planned on pausing through this. I was just going to read it all, but I just, I just can't. <laughs> I just can't. I got to talk a little bit about this. I mean, I hope that this is, is grabbing you and shaking you by the collar a little bit, waking you up a little bit. Whew. He is not mincing words, is he? This is about a clear, as, as a call, that I can think of. Now, Now he was not president of the church at this time. Uh, he was president of the, of the, or I think he was, I don't know if he was just a straight-up member or if he was president. Let me see. No, I think he was just in the, in the uh, Quorum of the Twelve, okay? So being a apostle, we can call him a prophet, seer, and revelator. We sustain our Quorum of the Twelve as prophets, seers, and revelators. And he is up in general conference. He's, he's uh, talking very forcefully about this stuff, as, as David O. McKay did as well. I've read some of his stuff before, and he did not mince words either. He has the full backing of his brethren on this. This is uh, prophetic. I would call this a warning, a prophetic warning, brothers and sisters. I would call this a prophetic warning from 1961. And I think that we are seeing some of the fruits of uh, perhaps not listening to this prophetic warning. Look at BYU. I think we're seeing some of the fruits of not listening, aren't we? Wow. Just wow. Continuing on. In the war in heaven, the devil advocated absolute eternal security at the sacrifice of our freedom. Although there is nothing more desirable to a Latter-day Saint than eternal security in God's presence, and although God knew, as did we, that some of us would not achieve this security if we were allowed our freedom, Yet the very God of heaven, who has more mercy than us all, still decreed no guaranteed security except by a man's own freedom of choice and individual initiative. Today the devil, as a wolf in a supposedly new suit of sheep's clothing, is enticing some men both in and out of the church to parrot his line by advocating planned government guaranteed security programs at the expense of our liberties. Latter-day Saints should be reminded how and why they voted as they did in heaven. If some have decided to change their vote, they should repent, throw their support on the side of freedom, and cease promoting this subversion. 
when all of the trappings of propaganda and pretense have been pulled aside, the exposed hardcore structure of modern communism is amazingly similar to the ancient Book of Mormon record of secret societies such as the Gadiantans. In the ancient American civilization, there was no word which struck greater terror to the hearts of the people than the name of the Gadiantans. It was a secret political party which operated as a murder cult. Its object to infiltrate legitimate government, plant its officers in high places, and then seize power and live off the spoils appropriated from the people. It would start out as a small group of, di of dissenters, and by using secret oaths, with the threat of death for defectors, it would gradually gain a chokehold on the political and economic life of whole civilizations. The object of the Gadiantans, like modern communists, was to destroy the existing government and set up a ruthless criminal dictatorship over the whole land. One of the most urgent, heart-stirring appeals made by Moroni as he closed the Book of Mormon was addressed to the Gentile nations of the last days. He foresaw the rise of a great worldwide secret combination among the Gentiles which seeketh to overthrow the freedom of all lands, nations, and countries. He warned each Gentile nation of the last days to purge itself of this gigantic criminal conspiracy which would seek to rule the world. The prophets in our day have continually warned us of these internal threats in our midst, that our greatest threat from socialistic communism lies within our country. Let me say that again, brothers and sisters. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll this one back. The prophets in our day have continually warned us of these internal threats in our midst, that our greatest threat from socialistic communism lies within our country. Okay, pause on that a minute. I hope that's sinking in. We 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 didn't listen, did we? We ain't listening. That's the that, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, man, we didn't listen. And we wonder why they don't talk about food storage anymore. We wonder why they don't talk like this anymore. We weren't listening. Now it falls to a much less conservative generation, a much less generation who is much less willing to listen to the words of the of, of the prophets, prophetic counsel. Brothers and sisters, I, I hope that, that you are raising your voice. I hope that you're doing your part. I hope you're teaching your children and your grandchildren that we are making this kind of stuff apparent. I see why they don't bring it back up. I can see why. I, I really can. Incredible. Just incredible to read this so many years later. Continuing on. Brethren and sisters, we don't need a prophet. We have one. We need a listening ear. And if we do not listen and heed, then, as the Doctrine and Covenant states... The day cometh that they who will not hear the voice of the Lord, neither the voice of his servants, neither give heed to the words of the prophets and apostles, shall be cut off from among the people. The prophets have said that these threats are among us. The prophet Moroni, viewing our day, said, 
Wherefore the Lord commandeth you, when ye shall see these things, come among you, that ye shall awake to a sense of your awful situation. Unfortunately, our nation has not treated the socialistic, communistic conspiracy as a treasonable to our free institutions, as the First Presidency pointed out in a signed 1936 statement, if we continue to uphold communism by not making it treasonable, our land shall be destroyed, for the Lord has said that whatsoever nation shall uphold such secret combinations to get power and gain until they shall spread over the nation, behold, they shall be destroyed. The prophet Moroni described how the secret combination would take over a country and then fight the work of God, persecute the righteous, and murder those who resisted. Moroni therefore proceeded to describe the workings of the ancient secret combination so that modern man could recognize this great political conspiracy in the last days. Wherefore, O ye Gentiles, it is wisdom in God that these things should be shown unto you, that thereby ye may repent of your sins, and suffer not that these murderous combinations shall get above you, which are built up to get power and gain, and the work, yea, even the work of destruction, come among you. Wherefore the Lord commandeth you, when ye shall see these things come among you, that ye shall awake to a sense of your awful situation, because of this secret combination which shall be among you. For it cometh to pass that whoso buildeth it up seeketh to overthrow the freedom of all lands, nations, and countries, and it bringeth to pass the destruction of all people. For it is built up by the devil, who is the father of all lies. The prophet Moroni seemed greatly exercised, lest in our day we might not be able to recognize the startling fact that the same secret societies which destroyed the Jaredites and decimated numerous kingdoms of both Nephites and Lamanites, would be precisely the same form of criminal conspiracy which would rise from among the Gentile nations in this day. The stratagems of the leaders of these societies are amazingly familiar to anyone who has studied the tactics of modern communist leaders. The Lord has declared... That before the second coming of Christ... Okay, pause. Pay attention to this part. Pay attention to this part, brothers and sisters. <laughs> this is what lies before us here. The Lord has declared that before the second coming of Christ, it will be necessary to destroy the secret works of darkness in order to preserve the land of Zion, the Americas. The worldwide secret conspiracy which has risen up in our day to fulfill these prophecies is easily identified. President McKay has left no room for doubt as to what attitude Latter-day Saints should take toward the modern secret combinations of conspiratorial, conspiratorial communism. In a lengthy statement on communism, he said Latter-day Saints should have nothing to do with the secret combinations and groups antagonistic to the constitutional law of the land, which the Lord suffered to be established, and which should be maintained for the rights and protection of all flesh, according to the just and holy principles. 
there are those who recommend that the clash between communism and freedom be avoided through disarmament agreements, abolishing our military strength, and adopting an unenforceable contract as a substitute to protect us would go down in history as the greatest mistake free men could make in a time of peril. President McKay declared, Force rules in the world today, consequently, in our government, must keep armies abroad. Okay, now let me, let me say that again. Force rules in our world today. Consequently, our government must keep armies abroad, build navies and air squadrons, create atom bombs to protect itself from the threatened aggression of a nation which seems to listen to no other appeal than compulsion. This parallels the historic statement by George Washington when he vigorously warned, There is a rank due the United States among the nations that will be totally lost by the reputation of weakness. If we would avoid insult, we must be able to repel it. If we would secure the peace, it must be known that we are at all times ready for war. Some timid, vacillating political leaders proclaim that communism is something we will have to learn to live with, whether it is Kirchev or some other leader. The present communist, communist system, they declare, will continue because there is no alternate system to replace communism. The policy of increasing power, of pushing their system outward, and using the communist party, they say, will go on. Such a negative attitude writes off the hundreds of millions behind the Iron Curtain as a lost cause. Surely, no courageous, liberty-loving citizen will treat the communist secret combination as something we will have to learn to live with. There is a more courageous and sounder point of view. President McKay expressed it in these words. Men will be free. I have hoped for twenty years that the Russian system would break up. There is no freedom under it, and sooner or later the people will rise against it. They cannot oppose those fundamentals of civilization and of God. They can't crush their people always. Men will be free. What is the official position of the Church on Communism? In 1936, the First Presidency made an official declaration on communism which has never been abrogated. I quote the concluding paragraph. We call upon all church members completely to eschew communism. The safety of our divinely inspired constitutional government and the welfare of our church imperatively demand that communism shall have no place in America. We must ever keep in mind that collectivized socialism is part of the communist strategy. Communism is fundamentally socialism. We will never win our fight against communism by making concessions to socialism. Communism and socialism, closely related, must be defeated on principle. The close relationship between socialism and communism is clearly pointed out 
by Senator Strom Thurmond of South Carolina in a letter to the editor of the Washington Post of August 6, 1961, in these words. Both socialism and communism derive from the teachings of Marx and Engels. In fact, the movements were one until the split over methods of approach, which resulted after the Russian Revolution in 1905. The aim and purpose of both was then and is now world socialism, which communism seeks to achieve through revolution and which socialists seek to achieve through evolution. Pause. I hope that your mind is racing right now and we're seeing how we, as a country, have been evolving towards socialism. I would say we're there. I would say we're there. I'd say we're pretty dang socialist now. It's a crazy thought, isn't it? Isn't it weird to read this from back then? How much more clear can you be, brothers and sisters? This is... This is 20 some odd years before Alan was around. Right? How did we get here? How did we get here? I hope that you're paying attention to it, to to everything that he's saying here, that this man of God is saying, this prophetic warning, brothers and sisters. I'm going to read this, this last sentence again. The aim and purpose of both was then and is now world socialism, which communism seeks to achieve through revolution, and which socialists seek to achieve through evolution. Wow. Continue on. The industrial achievements of the U.S. are the result of an economic system which is the antithesis of socialism. Our economic system is called capitalism or private enterprise and is based on private property rights and profit motive and competition. Both communism and socialism seek to destroy our economic system and replace it with socialism and their success, whether through evolution by socialism or through revolution by communism, is a combination or a combination will destroy not only our economic system but our liberty, including the civil aspects as well. The common ground of socialism and communism is a factor to which the American people should be alerted without a clear understanding that communism is socialism the total threat and menace of the Cold War can never be comprehended and fought to victory. When socialism is understood, we will realize that many of the programs advocated and some of those already adopted in the United States fall clearly within the category of socialism. What is socialism? It is simply governmental ownership and management of the essential means for the production and distribution of goods. We must never forget that nations may sow the seeds of their own destruction while enjoying unprecedented prosperity. 
The socialistic communistic conspiracy to weaken the United States involves attacks on many fronts. To weaken the American free enterprise economy, which outproduced both its enemies and allies during the World War II, is a high-priority target of the communist leaders. Their press and other propaganda media are therefore constantly selling the principles of centralized or federal control of farms, railroads, electric power, schools, steel, maritime shopping, and many other aspects of the economy, but always in the name of public welfare. This carries out the strategy laid down by the communist masters. John Strachey, a top official in the Labour Socialist Party of Great Britain, in his book entitled The Theory and Practice of Socialism, said, It is impossible to establish communism as the immediate successor to capitalism. It is accordingly proposed to establish communism as something which we can put in the place of our present decaying capitalism. Hence, communists work for the establishment of socialism as a necessary transition stage on the road to communism. The paramount issue today is liberty against creeping socialism. It is in this spirit that President McKay stated, Communism is antagonistic to the American way of life. Its avowed purpose is to destroy belief in God and free enterprise. The fostering of full economic freedom lies at the base of our liberties. Only in perpetuating economic freedom can our social, political, and religious liberties be preserved. Again, President McKay warned, citing the words of W.C. Mullendore, President of Southern California Edison Company. During the first half of the 20th century, we have traveled far into the soul-destroying land of socialism and made strange alliances, through which we have become involved in almost continuous hot and cold wars over the whole of the earth. In this retreat from freedom, the voices of protesting citizens have been drowned by raucous shouts of intolerance and abuse. I'm going to pause there. Wow. Brothers and sisters, have you been paying attention to the last couple of years? This is incredible. I'm going to read that again. In this retreat from freedom, the voices of protesting citizens have been drowned by raucous shouts of intolerance and abuse from those who led the retreat and their millions of gullible youth who are marching merrily to their doom, carrying banners on which are emblazoned such intriguing and misapplied labels as social justice, equality, reform, patriotism, social welfare. It is significant that 118 years ago, this month, so this is obviously, I'm pausing again, this is 1961, okay? It is significant that 
118 years ago this month, the prophet Joseph Smith, after attending lectures on socialism, made the official entry in church history. I said I did not believe the doctrine. No true Latter-day Saint and no true American can be a socialist or a communist or support programs leading in that direction. These evil philosophies are incompatible with Mormonism, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. What can priesthood holders do? There are many things we can do to meet the challenge of the adversary in our day. First, we should become informed about communism, about socialism, and about Americanism. What better way can one become informed than by first studying the inspired words of the prophets and using that as a foundation against which to test all other material? This is in keeping with the prophet Joseph Smith's motto, When the Lord commands, do it. The Foundation for Economic Education, Irvington on Hudson, New York, on which President J. Reuben Clark Jr. served as a board member, continues to supply sound freedom literature. We should know enough about American free enterprise to be able to defend it. We should know what makes it possible for 6% of humanity living under our free economy to produce about one-half of the Earth's developed wealth each year. That's astounding. I'm pausing right there. That is astounding, brothers and sisters. I don't know what those, those numbers are like now, but in 1961, wow, that is astounding. We should know why paternalism, collectivism, or unnecessary federal supervision will hold our standard of living down and reduce productivity, just as it has in every country where it has been tried. We should also know why the communist leaders consider socialism the high road to communism. Second, we should accept the, com the command of the Lord and treat socialistic communism as the tool of Satan. We should follow the counsel of the President of the Church and resist the influence and policies of the socialistic communist conspiracy wherever they are found. In the schools, in the churches, in the governments, in the unions, in businesses, in agriculture. Third, we should help those who have been deceived who are, or who are misinformed to find the truth. Unless each person who knows the truth will stand up and speak up, it is difficult for the deceived or confused citizen to find his way back. Fourth, we should not make the mistake of calling people communists just because they happen to be helping the communist cause. Thousands of patriotic Americans, including a few Latter-day Saints, have helped the communists without realizing it. Others have knowingly helped without joining the party. The remedy is to avoid name-calling, but point out clearly and persuasively how they are helping the communists. Fifth, each priesthood holder should use his influence in the community to resist the erosion process which is taking place in our political and economic life.
he should use the political party of his choice to express his evaluation of important issues. He should see that his party is working to preserve freedom, not destroy it. He should join responsible local groups interested in promoting freedom and free competitive enterprise, in studying political issues, appraising the voting records and proposed programs, and writing to members of Congress, promoting good men in public office, and scrutinizing local, state, and federal agencies to see that the will of the people is being carried out. He should not wait for the Lord's servants to give instruction for every detail once they have announced the direction in which the priesthood should go. Each member should exercise prayerful judgment and then act. Sixth, and most important of all, each member of the priesthood should set his own house in order. This should include regular family prayer, remembering especially our government leaders getting out of debt, seeing that each member of the family understands the importance of keeping the commandments, seeing that the truth is shared with family or members of the family, with neighbors and with associates, seeing that each member is performing his duties in the priesthood, in the auxiliary organizations, in the temple, and in the civic life of the community. Seeing that every wage earner in the home is a full tithe payer and fulfilling other obligations in financial support of the kingdom, providing a one-year supply of essentials. In doing these things, a member of the church is not only making himself an opponent of the adversary, but a proponent of the Lord. In the prophecies, there is no promise except to the obedient. To a modern prophet the Lord said, Therefore, what I say unto one, I say unto all, Watch, for the adversary spreadeth his dominions, and darkness reigneth, and the anger of God kindleth against the inhabitants of the earth. I give unto you directions how ye may act before me, that it may be that it may turn to you for your salvation. I, the Lord, am bound when ye do what I say, but when ye do not what I say, ye have no promise. May God give us the wisdom to recognize the threat to our freedom and the strength to meet this danger courageously. Yes, perilous times are ahead, but if we do our duty in all things, God will give us inner peace and overrule all things for our good. God grant it may be so, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to provide a link for this. And I hope that you take a look for yourself, that you study this. I hope that this is something that... that um, that got you standing up a little bit, that, that perked your ears up, and then you, you sat up a little bit, you leaned forward, you know what I'm saying? It got your heart racing a little bit. Because it did me. I uh, didn't discover a lot of this stuff 
until after my mission. I, I've been listening to Glenn Beck ever since, shoot, probably 2006. And think what you will. Think what you will. A lot of people don't like him. That's great. Look at what he has talked about. He has taken this stuff right here and he has made that his mission to warn. I think I can confidently say that we have no excuse. We have no excuse going forward. I don't know how this is going to play out, brothers and sisters. I don't know how it's going to play out. But I know that we've been warned. And that if we continue to allow things to be as they are, then we're going to be in a world of hurt. As I think on these things, as I think upon the history of the Nephite nation. I often wonder what will the borders of the United States look like in 20 years? What will they look like in, in if we have that long? When Christ comes to New Jerusalem, in Missouri, what will America, what, what will that mean? How will America exist? What will the borders look like then? I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that there is a wheat and a tear separation going on right now, brothers and sisters. And I'm, we're, I'm watching it. I'm watching it happen. This is an important, important time to decide who is on the Lord's side who. I have told my kids that I don't want them to go to college because it's a communist recruiting ground. I said, learn a trade. Get into a trade school. Don't go to college. Waste of waste of money and waste of. They, they they will try to. Convert you. To communism to socialism. All these buzzwords that you just heard him throw out. I'm hearing them more today. Than I ever have in my entire life. I've never heard these buzzwords. These communist buzzwords. Wow, I've never heard them thrown around like, like I have in the last four years. We are facing a, a communist color revolution. Look at all the people, brothers and sisters, that are calling for Israel to be obliterated in America. People chanting from the river to the sea in support of Gaza, 
even after an, a, a horrendous attack on civilians, on babies. Rape, murder of the most heinous, heinous order. Even after that, calling for the destruction of Israel from, from the... Uh, it just... How did we get here, brothers and sisters? Like, I'm not trying to be a downer here. I'm really not. It's just, I'm, I'm getting a window into, into Mormon talking about his people here. Oh, ye fair ones, you know. I know that the Lord is in control, and I know that the Lord is going to take care of his own. But there's people who are choosing to not be a part of that group, and who are separating themselves from the Lord's group voluntarily. And that blows me away. It's so sad that we have brothers and sisters out there who are actively preaching against the brethren, who are actively preaching this false doctrine of communism, who will look at messages like this and say, oh, that was from the 60s. They've changed their minds since then. Just as... Just as... as Ezra Taft Benson here, as he quoted from that uh, that little pamphlet from the 30s in talking about, about communism and how the church felt about it, he says, hey, we've never pulled this back. We still feel this way. This has never been pulled back, brothers and sisters. That pamphlet has never been pulled back. That's coming up on, what, 80, 90 years old it's never been pulled back remember when elder bednar said that about food storage hey we've never pulled back our support on food storage that advice still stands brothers and sisters stand in holy places open your mouth Now is the time to get ready to redeem Zion. That is what my eye is squarely looking at. More and more lately, I'm looking at Zion. I'm talking Jackson County, Missouri. I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm wondering how this is going to go down. Zion will be redeemed, brothers and sisters. even if that takes the Lord doing it himself. This has to happen before the Lord comes again. And we're seeing now there is no middle ground. Middle ground is pretty much gone. 
Look to your hearts, brothers and sisters. Look to your hearts. Look to what you were taught as a child about the church. Look to what you were taught from the scriptures. Look to what look 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 to what the doctrine of Christ has been. What our prophets and apostles have taught us. And make sure that you're on the right side. I bear you my testimony, brothers and sisters, that what what has been read here by Elder Ezra Taft Benson at the time, these words are true. They are just as true, if not more true today, than they were back then. They have grown in truth. And we have seen the fruits of not adhering to these warnings continue to grow to where we are now in a very, very precarious situation as a country. We become weak. We become more pagan. I pray that we can find ourselves, brothers and sisters. I pray for my nation. I fly old glory up on my house every day. And I pray for my nation that we will find our way back to, to Christ and that there will be a religious revival and that Christianity will, will grow and that we will be able to root out a lot of this stuff that we have allowed to get above us. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.